Thought Bubble Audio. Look, up in the sky! You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Welcome to Beer with Geeks with Tim and Frank. Who <laughs> are I'm Batman. I am Iron Man. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Hi, Christopher. I'm Nero. My name is Inigo Montoya. You're a wizard, Harry. A couple of guys with a couple of beers and a whole lot of pop culture nostalgia. Make it so, number one. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. Name the dog in the ant. Life finds a way. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Now sit back and crack open a cold one. Because it's time for Beer with Geeks. It comes in paints? Shaken, not stirred. Great Scott! I was way off. I knew it started with an S, though. Hi, and welcome to Beer with Geeks, where two geeks geek out with beer. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my friend who only visits every summer, Dill. How are you, Dill? No, that's not... I'm I'm Frank. Frank? You're yeah. Frank? Yeah. I thought you were Dill. Listen, it's it's it used to be endearing when you got me confused with uh, literary characters, but like Dill? Really Dill? You don't like Dill from To Kill a Mockingbird? <laughs> you don't like Dill Pickles, Frank? You just want me to go away for most of the year and only come by in the summer? Is that what you want? No, that's not what you I just, want. You just don't want me. You just don't want me around. You're trying to get rid of me for most of the year. That's but they were sad when Dill left. Yeah, they were but, sad, Frank. Oh. You oh know, my God! What are you, Dill? What are you drinking, Frank? What are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna be sour about it. You want me gone nine months out of the year? Um, no, uh, I am drinking today. So, um, I, I Budweiser. But I'm hear sorry, me out. What? But hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. So, um, last year. <laughs> Last year, Budweiser put out their their it was like their Prohibition era recipe, right? And like these special edition oh, sure, bottles. Sure, sure. Yeah, this year there is a Budweiser Copper Lager aged in Jim Beam barrels. Oh, so it is a yeah, it is a uh, collaboration between Jim Beam and Budweiser. Um, and I gotta say, it's actually pretty good. It's it's pretty good. Um, it is. I mean, it's basically it's basically just Budweiser, but being aged in these Jim Beam bourbon barrels gives it this really interesting, you know, oaky kind of taste um, that you expect from from a, a bourbon. So I I really really like this actually. For um, it's a limited edition run; they're only doing it once. Um, you know, they released it in late 2018, and so if you can still find some, uh, I would say grab it. Because it's it's pretty good. It's definitely worth picking up a six pack. Um, I think they're also selling it in like larger bottles, seven hundred and fifty milliliter bottles to, too. So, if you see it at your local uh, you know liquor store wherever you buy your beer, I'd say pick it up. It's worth it. It's it's definitely worth it. It's pretty good. It's it's you know kind of middle of the road, but 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 it's a, a decent a, a decent you know amber lager in delicious um, bourbon barrels. So check it out. Budweiser Copper Lager. That's very cool. That's very cool. Frank, I'm drinking I'm drinking a gluten-free beer. Because, mm. You know, I was cheating the last couple of yeah. last couple of weeks. But I have a new one. 
Frank. Ooh. It's, it's called Drink This or the Beers Die. Or the <laughs> Drink This or the Bees Die Golden Honey Ale. Okay. And oh, got it. Cause, okay. Isn't it with honey? Yeah. Because yeah. yes, it's made with honey, and the uh, the guy who created it has celiac, so he was oh. kind of forced to make it for himself to enjoy. Sure, um, and so it's quite good. It's a California beer, Frank. Oh. So it's hard to get, but you know you got to do you got to do what a man's got to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so if you can get it, would enjoy, do enjoy? Huh? Duckfoot uh, Brewing. Never heard of them. Yeah, drink drink this or the bees die. Yeah, it's local, local Frank. It's all local. I anyway, love it. Anyway, it's all good. So, Frank, yes sir. Recently, I had a birthday. And you recently, did. I mean, several months ago. Yeah. I want to tell some backstory here. So, Palmer of Academy Rewind. You know him. You know you've met him. Mm-hmm. You know you're familiar with his work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um. Palmer and I have been friends for a long time, and so we, on our birthdays and Christmas, instead of buying, you know, things for one another, we buy tickets to shows for one another that we that we also want to see that we go to and enjoy. You know, previous things have been, you know, we've seen Lizzie Sterling and Josh Groban, um, something's rotten. Uh, we're gonna see Bernadette Peters in concert in a in a couple weeks. You know, but recently we went to go see. Aaron Sorkin's adaptation of Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird starring Jeff Daniels on Broadway at the Schubert Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like orange Schubert, personally. Um, <laughs> so, terrible joke. Mm-hmm. Terrible. <laughs> so anyway, so we went a couple weeks ago. And when I tell you, and I want to tell you about that experience, but also let's talk about To Kill a Mockingbird and the American classic that that it is. And then at the end, I'll tell you about meeting Jeff Daniels in person. Mm, there's a good tease. Yeah. So, but remind me at the end in case I forget. Okay. So, okay. Great. So, Frank, do you remember? Let's let's go through To Kill a Mockingbird first before I talk about the play. Actually, you know, if we if we can, just a little bit, just to to set the stage. Do you remember where To Kill a Mockingbird is set? To Kill a Mockingbird is set in the American South, I want to say Alabama. Alabama would be correct. Okay. Home, Alabama. Frank, do you remember what it's about? I'm asking it, a lot of questions. It, I can it, tell you. I'm just asking you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel very put on the spot right now. Like, ooh, what I if know. I get this wrong? Um, well, uh, I, I guess it depends how we want to put this. But it is the story of a... Uh, town that puts a man on trial for a crime he did not commit, uh, and allegedly, the, but you allegedly, yes. and uh, at the crux of the whole story is uh, his his spoilers attorney, for To Kill a Mockingbird. Spoilers for this, yeah, fifty some odd year old book, sixty year old book. Um, uh, at the yes, at the at the crux of all of crux. this is uh Atticus Finch is is taking on the the, the case um as as his attorney and his daughter Scout uh, Scout mm-hmm. uh uh try he, he has to explain every all the racism and all the horrible things that are happening to his what 10 year old daughter um yeah I think she's actually eight okay um so he has to sort of you're you're seeing the whole story play out through her eyes and sort of learning of 
learning what like racism really is and learning what all the all the events that are happening in the you know uh, in this town and and throughout this surrounding this trial putting them in context of sort of trying to grow up during during this time um Frank, and that's a that's a that's a wonderful that's a wonderful summary of To Kill a Mockingbird that you give in there. So I think the important thing to remember is that the book is through Scout's eyes, yes, you know, through the the eyes of a child as she plays in the summer with her brother Jem, short for Jeremy, right, and then um and then their friend Dill, mm-hmm. who comes you know back and forth just all over the summers. Uh, Dill, I didn't. I learned this through an Academy Rewind episode. Palmer told me this that Dill is based on Truman Capote. Oh, because oh. Truman Capote and Harper Lee were friends when they were kids. No and way. Truman Capote used to come. Yeah, and they and when they were adults too. And when and they used to come and he would come every summer and hang out with Harper Lee and I assume her brother or whatever. And so Dill is based on his personality is based on that of a boy, uh, Truman Capote, hmm. which makes watching or reading Dill hilarious. Hmm. Like because like because you were like, ah, Dill, I don't want to be Dill. But once you know <laughs> it's Truman Capote, you're like, this is a little it's a little different. It's fantastic. So anyway, so I think so the book is really about maybe scout's loss of innocence about mm. you know like the the town around her the world that she realizes that she is living in of these you know some terrible people some good people and how to treat them and how not to treat them and blah 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 so the 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 play what sorkin did is it, it's not really about scout's loss of innocence anymore or or gems or dills or anything like that it's about atticus learning the limitations of the law and mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. because it, and so like the scenes to which like we're not really privy to in the book like the judge coming to Atticus to be like hey I want you to defend this guy and Atticus is like I'm a I'm not a criminal attorney I'm a like a real estate attorney or whatever like that's this is this is not what I do the last two criminal cases that I had they both you hung them mm-hmm, like both mm-hmm. of them and and but because Atticus is like is just a good man, that's what he is. Judges like this guy deserves a fair trial, so it's going to be you. Think so th- about it. So this sounds different than the movie, even because I, I sort of expect the movie, the, the movie is an adaptation of the book. It's Scout's point of view, right? 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 Yeah. Yeah, it's still Scout's point of view, but I feel like it is more Atticus's point of view than the book gives us. I think that's true. And, sure. and this it's sounds been a like, long time since I've seen the film. Yeah. And this sounds like it's even a step further into going like fully into Atticus's point of view um, and maybe even changing some of the because I seem to remember and it's been over a decade since I read the book. So forgive me. But I seem to remember there being much more of like Atticus being at the like deciding that like he was going to be he was going to do the right thing and, and defend this man. Um, and it sounds like that's a, the, it was sort of given to him here. Um, it's kind of given to him. Well, the the judge who is his like friend, you know, like the judge comes for like his like nightly or weekly walk or whatever by the Finch compound, uh-huh. and and so I he 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 offers it to Atticus, but I think in maybe it. it Atticus still decides it's the right thing to do, okay. but it's not like he heard the news and he jumps up and he's like, I'm going to do it because I'm a good person. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of, yeah. 
is given the opportunity to do this instead. Okay. At, um, Jeff um, Jeff Daniels' version of Atticus is less um, stoic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would. He's more. He's kind of more like a tired dad. If that if that makes sense, you know, he's a good guy. He's he's a widower, and he's just. He's tired, you mm-hmm. know, he's but he's a good person, you know, he's got he's very approachable, just like this very he has this very warm sense about him, you know, very smart, but doesn't throw it at you mm-hmm. kind of Atticus, you know, and so just like an easy to get along with. He honestly reminded me of my dad, like I was mm. kind of wa- was watching him and I was like, this is a man who's clearly smart and good at his job, but he's not unapproachable. You know, he's just a kind person. He's like, no, we're going to, you know, we're going to get that straight. We're going to get that straightened out for you. No problem, sir. You know, make sure. And, you know, and Scout's like, oh, you know, that guy, you know, is he going to pay you? And Atticus like, well, you know, not in not in money. But Mm -hmm. before the harvest is out, we'll we'll be paid. Don't you worry. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, so there's there's that real quality about him. He's not a scary Atticus, I guess. Not that. um um, oh shoot! What was his name? Oh my goodness, Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck. Was a scary, okay, yeah. Was a scary Atticus, but you know he's a, you know he's maybe more assertive Atticus. Yeah. In some, okay. And he, he contemplative and assertive at the same time. And uh, Jeff Daniels played him maybe more realistic, I guess, mm, like mm-hmm. a person that you would know, like you know a person like this guy, or maybe you are a person like this guy. Hopefully, you'd want to be because mm-hmm. you know, like he tries to be nice. So the so the trial is like this guy, this black man is um, uh, um, on trial for uh, allegedly raping ra- raping this uh, white girl, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and her father is kind of the w- one, Mister Yule is kind of the one, kind of like you know, bringing this whole thing up and forward and whatever else. And so the story kind of leads you to believe that it's actually Mr. Yule who is abusing his daughter mm-hmm. and it like this guy is not like the guy addict he's actually an innocent man he's not you know he's not on the wrong side at all mm-hmm. and so and and then of course the play the play gives you that same gives you that same look so but Atticus when when that girl is called to the stand he's like he plays it all nice it's so it's really really well done mm-hmm. it's like he's like you know you know you want to tell me what happened? You want to do that? You know, he's really calm and tempered with her, and she just won't budge. She's just cruel and mean and scared and, you know, and sad and shriveled and all these different things. And then so it comes to the point he basically hits a brick wall and he says, okay, I tried. And then mm-hmm. he, just lay, and he just lays into her. And so the, the play is narrated by Scout, Dill, and Jem. Oh, interesting. So it's still it's still them telling the story, even though it's Atticus's story. Mm-hmm. So it's an mm-hmm. interesting interesting style. The kids are played by adults. Ah, I was wondering so, about that. Okay, yeah, they are they're played by adults, and apparently there's some been like flack from the as what I've been told the mothers of the um, mothers of Broadway. You know, like like a child actors' mothers, like oh why like their kids their kids they should be played by our kids. You know, whatever, but. Kids can't do eight shows a week. Right. You know, you'd have to get multiple actors, which then 
changes the flow of the show every night. Sure. Because Sorkin is not just about reading your lines. It's about the flow in which you are saying them. It's it's a very particular tempo. No matter what story he's telling, that's the Sorkin tempo. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, there's a it's a particular rhythm. And I don't think kids can keep up with it. I don't think they have the capability to. So they're played by adults instead. Makes out. Uh, checks out. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. It makes D- sense. Do you did you feel since we're talking about Sorkin dialogue? Did you feel like this? So you said it, it it had the same rhythm as a lot of other Sorkin stuff. Like was it was it? This is a totally new adaptation, right? Just so I'm clear, this is not like an totally adaptation new. of the screenplay. This is he went back to the novel and did his own adaptation of it, right? He went to the novel, did okay. his own adaptation. Yeah. So so did it oh. feel you know uniquely Sorkin in that way? In some respects, it did. It's it, in the rhythm. It felt very much like I knew I was watching an Aaron Sorkin production. There was no question that this was this was his work, but it was absolutely Harper Lee's words a lot mm, of the time. Mm-hmm, sure, the stories, the situations. He, I don't. Apart from the it, like the the structure and how it's told, because it's kind of told almost like a Russian doll, where it, like it starts with the kids being like. Bob Yule fell on his knife. How did that? How does that happen? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you fall on a knife? That's distinctly Sorkin. Yeah, like, like it's not even like how do you do that? Blah 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 blah. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, Dill being like, "This is where I come in." No, it's not. No, it's not. You know, <laughs> and I'll see you, see you later. You know, things like that. We're very Sorkin. Then it goes into the court case. You know, and then it goes. That and then it goes back out into Atticus accepting the case, and then it goes into the back into the case, and then the end, and it keeps unfolding and refolding itself. So, like, you don't just start with it's really not just here's it's not linear. I guess it's a non-linear storytelling. Sure, most of it's lin- most of it's linear, but there are elements to which you like start at the end. You go to the you go to the court case and then you go right to the beginning and then expand back out towards the court case oh, and okay. then the end again. Almost kind of like an accordion, right? You like start here and then you move, you start out in the back and then you move and you scrunch yourself in and then you move and then you slowly move back out again. It's interesting. It was very like an accordion. Huh. Like an accordion. It wasn't confusing. It was just it was in, it wasn't confusing at all but it was it was an interesting way to it was an interesting way to go about it I, to kill I really an accordion it. to kill an accordion just bang on the keys <laughs> bow, 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 bow. anyway um <laughs> so there was there was some very distinctly sorkin things in there kind of like um so so when dill shows up He's like, hi, my name's Charles Baker Radley, but everyone calls me Dill. And it, mm-hmm. like he keeps saying it over and over again to introduce himself. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to a point where Atticus is like, okay, enough. You know, and then he goes, Scout, Jem, and he like points at Dill and he goes, Charles Baker Radley, but everyone call you that's enough. You could like you stay <laughs> you stay for dinner. He's like, Oh, thank you, Atticus, and feel free to call me Atticus. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's Nice. Yeah, you know, things things like that. There's like a, you know, like Sorkin likes to do the almost like the origin of something in his in his plays. So like, um, it's not Cassiopeia. Um, what's the the name of their, the name? Um, Calliope? Ca- yeah, it might be Calliope. Um, it, Calliope is, you know, house and whatever else and they talk about her relationship with Atticus 
and and they said like she's almost like they're almost like brother and sister the way that they talk to one another and they are and she's being passive aggressive towards him and he's like what and Atticus is like why aren't you talking to me and she's like oh you know no reason I'm just cleaning you know that whole thing and Atticus pulls out the like the origin of passive aggressiveness you know there was a guy oh. once that did this and that's what you're being you're being passive aggressive and it's like all this kind of big thing that's such a sorkin thing. i see Amazingly i see what you mean Sorkin that way I, but i, I but also the story I think itself i think the name was calpurnia just calpurnia to... thank you calpurnia i knew they called her cal but i couldn't yeah, get the, yeah. i didn't remember the rest of calpurnia thank you um so um so anyway so th- those things are like very very sorkin but then the rest of it like if you if you read to kill a mockingbird or watch the film whatever you'll recognize all of it like the 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 real crux of the story itself um is not is not different you know mm-hmm. some of the the major highlights of you know like you know, he goes to sit outside the jailhouse door, you know, mm-hmm. with his one reading light instinct and things like that. It's there. It's all there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it was it was really, really remarkable. The set was very cool. It was done in kind of just blocked pieces. OK, so so instead of like the courthouse being a whole room, it's just you have your jurors box and you have your your assembly blocks and the judge, and it's all on wheels. Right. And they just kind of wheel it out it's on the tracks and they just kind of come out and build the room kind of like a lego set oh like your, okay here are your little different pieces but the but the atticus uh the finch house there's a tree that comes down from the wings and then a roof and the the porch rises up and then you can pull the porch stairs out from underneath the porch oh cool very cool kind of like a bleacher seats kind of yeah 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 it was very that was very cool so then so all these other pieces in the in the in the play are just like here's a wall, here's a tree, here's a door. It's very minimalist, black box theater style almost, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very minimal. But the Finch house is a house, mm-hmm. so you know what I mean. So it feels like the solid structure of the home. Like you can like so even though the court, you know the law is in shambles or the Radley house isn't, you know, isn't well put together or like any of these things, like none of the structure of Maycomb is falling apart. Mm -hmm. The Finch household is not. Got it. It's, it's a, it's a, it like, it plays in to the play so well. It's a, it's, it is really, 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 really clever. I, that is really clever. That's some really cool, like imagery of having the house be the one place that's sort of fleshed out because it's where you feel safe. It's where you feel at home Mm -hmm. and everywhere else is sort of spotty because it's, you know, scary territory for, especially for scout. That's right. Especially for scout. Right. Exactly. And so, but the rest of it's in there, you know, like Jem losing his pants and, you know, and like all the under the fence and like all the stuff like that. It's all present. It's Boo all Bradley, Tom Robinson. Boo, oh, all that yeah. Stuff. It's all there. Well, Tom Robinson is the guy on, on trial. On trial. So, right. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's all, it's all there. It was really remarkable. The whole cast was, was really, really outstanding. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, like there's a. I th- I don't know if this was originally Harper Lee or not, uh, but there's a scene 
to which you know Tom Robinson is called up to the stand, and you know he, one of his hands doesn't work, right? You know, that's oh one right, of the big right, things right. In the book, right? So he puts his left hand on the Bible. He's got to lift it and put it there. And Bob Yule stands up. He's like, and can we actually take his word? Because, uh, like, with his hand on the Bible, because it doesn't work. Mm. So can you actually say that he's telling the truth and the whole, like, courtroom is silent and, like, the the stenographer, like, turns from his seat and kind of, like, turns to look at Bob Ewell while everyone's just kind of staring at him. (laughs) And the judge is like, the court is in silence. Like, the court is shocked or to silence or something like that. Like, shut up, you idiot. It was it was pretty cool. It was really really cool. That's a so good moment. I would highly recommend the play to anybody, especially if you're a fan of To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, I forget that there's always more to the story after the pl- after the trial itself. Mm-hmm. Like it keeps going. It feels like it should end, but it doesn't. It just kind of moves on. Yeah, but the trial isn't really. It's because we put so much emphasis on the trial itself, mm-hmm. but the book itself is about scouts you know scout growing up so there should be more after the trial because that you know there's more story to tell it just doesn't always feel that way you remember it differently you remember it being the entire the oh, entirety you remember, of the you think of the, the whole story. thing is the trial but it's not it's just yeah you think the whole thing is the trial but it's such it's not a minuscule part of it but in the book it's not it's it's there's a lot before and a lot after mm-hmm. so anyway so that's that so anyway so after we saw the play uh, we were in the balcony. Jeff Daniels looked right at me. So, you know. Nice. Yep. He looked, I was like, hey. What's up? I was like, what's up? I'm Jeff Daniels. Um, <laughs> anyway, I've been in the town you live in. I'm like, yeah, you have. So, anyway. <laughs> um, so, anyway, uh, we go to the stage door afterwards. Palmer has a copy of To Kill a Mockingbird for the cast to sign. And so, nice. you know, sure, sure. I've never been to a stage door before. Why not? Our train oh, you haven't? For- no, I've never done a oh, stage Oh, that's cool. Tour. Oh, cool, Yeah, this cool, was cool. a new experience for me. So I said, yeah, this is fun. Sure, why not? You know, we have the Playville. They come out with pens. I didn't even know that. Yeah, like, they're ready for it. They're like, oh, no, they're ready for you. It's cool. So so the cast comes out, you know, it kind of in waves. And they're, you know, they're, you know, doing their cast. They're doing their cast thing. And um, every, very nice group of people. They're like, oh, thanks for coming, that whole thing. So, but during the cast all coming out and before, well, actually before the cast all coming in and out and whatever else, we see some fun people hanging out in like the little barrier. We see Grace Gumner, who's Meryl mm. Streep's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Holland Taylor, who was, um, do you remember George of the Jungle? Yes. She was um, George's mean mother-in-law. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was also in Legally Blonde. She was one of the Harvard professors. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah, she's been in tons of other stuff, too. Yeah. Those, those are the things I always think of her for. Um, we saw Sarah Paulson, who is oh. just, you know, Sarah Paulson. Oh, my God, that's so great. great. We saw the actor who plays Larry, your waiter, in Series of Unfortunate Events. He's been in other oh. things, too, but I couldn't. I couldn't. I actually only figured it out yesterday. I was like, "Oh my god, that's where he's from." That's he was funny. right there, and I couldn't figure it out. Um, and there were a few other people that I was like, "Oh, you look so familiar," but I like can't place you 
but you look familiar. I know you. But anyway, so that was very cool. They all went to go see their friends. It's like when you're in high school and they're like, all oh, my friends in the play, I'm going to go see right. them and then hang out at the stage. I'll wait afterwards when they're done. It's the same thing. We're doing the same thing. It's That's so that they great. Get, they get paid for it. I'm going to go see my friend. He was in a play. Right, so right. funny. So funny. Um, so anyway, so Jeff Daniels comes out at the end and he is clearly exhausted. Oh, God, yeah. Like he, The show is 2.40. With a fifteen, Ooh. with a fifth, so it's like two twenty-five because it's got a fifteen-minute intermission. He's on stage for probably two hours and ten minutes of that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, it's maybe two five. Like, man is clearly exhausted, and he goes through and he signs everybody's book anyway. Like yep. he doesn't, he doesn't say a word, not a single uh, word to anybody. Yeah. I don't think he even had. He barely had the energy to sign his name. He just mm-hmm. went through and he was like. That was it, and then he was off. He no pictures like or about, nothing. Nope, he looked like he was about to fall down. Yeah. Yep. They said you could take, they told us before, like, you could take pictures of him when he comes out, but you can't take selfies. Right. He's like, not going to pose. Was, uh, he won't pose. It'd take too long. He'd be there forever. Yeah. So, and he's contracted to do this for a year. So, for a year, eight shows a week, like, he's coming out and signing people's books. It's just like, it's a lot. Guy's, ti- guy's tired. It's a lot, yeah. man. Eight. I, I gotta say like being on stage like like theatrical doing theater is one of the most grueling kinds of like acting it's yep. probably the most it is the most like it'll zap your energy people you know people talk about like oh you know movie stars they don't they don't really work like the rest of us do and that's true like they'll even acknowledge like oh yeah i get to my favorite thing for a living like it's amazing but being on stage, like on, in, a, in a Broadway show, like eight performances a week, that's no joke, man. Like even though you're you're just like you're 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 doing it, you're in a play, you're acting like it seems like that's not work. It's that's a lot. That is that is exhausting stuff. Yeah, they're not um, sitting at a desk punching in the numbers. They're like they're giving everything that they have. Yeah, it's a pretty for, it's a pretty exhausting emotionally and physically it. exhausting thing. Absolutely, it's and you have to be the best at it every every time. time. There's no lit day like you go into work, be like, oh, well, it's the day after Thanksgiving. No one's really here. You know, you can spin in your chair a little bit and get up and get a cup of coffee and whatever. There's none of that. That doesn't that doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. You're just on. You're just on stage, and people paid you. People are paying to see you be your best. You can't be like mm, having an off day. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. that 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 don't happen. So I give him credit for coming around and talking mm-hmm. to us. It was pretty great. But anyway, definitely that was it. Do. Re- do go see. It's there for a year. Would recommend. Awesome. 10 out of 10. Would revisit. Love it. Cool. All right. Well, Frank, where can the people find us? They can find us at thoughtbubbleaudio.com. You'll find this show and lots of other shows uh, from our network. Patreon.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio. If you want to kick us uh, a quarter a week, it works out to a dollar a month. A lot of people have been doing that lately, and it's really working out nicely for us. So thank you so much uh, for supporting us here in 2019 with uh with our our, our patreon uh subscriber community lots of exclusives just for our subscribers uh as well as uh, early access to things uh that our our subscribers get to hear before uh, everybody else so check that out at patreon.com slash thought bubble audio go to beerwithgeeks.com for all the show notes for every episode of this show uh and uh places like itunes stitcher uh google play spotify all those places where you can also find the show when your app of choice uh, and then, of course, Beer with Geeks on Gmail, on Twitter, on Facebook, where in all the all the places you can just find us as Beer with Geeks. Cool. Cool, man. Cool. 
Q-Q-Q-Q-Q-Q-Q-Q. All right, well then, until next time. Cheers. Cheers.